everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Manufacturing IT podcast. I'm joined today by Michelle Hui from uh, Rockwell Automation. Uh, I've known Michelle for about five years now. We met at a Farmer MES conference in Berlin. Uh, we've worked together on several uh, positions over the years. And uh, when I asked him to be a guest, I was delighted he accepted. Michelle was one of the um, first people to speak about social selling and to uh, open my eyes to social selling. So for those watching and that have been with me since the early days of my uh, LinkedIn career, uh, you have Michelle Hui to thank for uh, a lot of the interaction and a lot of social selling that uh, I do. But uh, without further ado, Michelle, hi, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you. I'm very well. Thank you. Uh, I'm really delighted to be invited in one of the podcasts here. And uh, definitely, I'll say we have uh, a long relationship together. You help me a lot in, uh, in hiring, attracting talent, and retaining those talents. And definitely, I'm, uh, I'm really excited to have a, a conversation with you yeah. on the of who am I and what I'm doing. No, good stuff. And thank you again for joining me. So for those of you who don't know you, Michelle, so let's, uh, let's, let's start there. Who are you? What do you do? And uh, how long have you been doing it? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, so uh, currently, I usually start in, uh, people start the introduction, uh, the introduction, but what role they're currently having in an organization. So uh, uh, currently, I'm a global director for software sales development uh, in a company called Rockwell Automation, which is an eight to nine billion size company highly focused in digital and uh, uh, transformation and, and operation technology uh, industrial automation. Now, who am I? Yeah, <laughs> I'm an engineer. <laughs> yeah, I started my career by uh, doing master of engineering in what's called now industrial IT, then uh, moved uh, to technology companies uh, as I'm a little bit of a technical, technical geek. Uh, worked for Texas Instruments, worked for an IBM service company, and joined uh, early as well uh, in the 90s, uh, uh, Rockwell Automation. Um, that's where I'm still. Uh, 30 years after, I had <laughs> good roles in that company. I, uh, I was a frontline seller, okay? I was also, I developed my career in management as a goalie. <laughs> I also played multiple roles in a uh, uh, business unit. So that's a defense or midfield, depending on how you see it. <laughs> <laughs> I got a chance also to live and work uh, in multiple continents, especially Europe, where I'm from, and North America. And uh, later on in my, uh, in my career, I also did a master and MBA in uh, sustainability and corporate social responsibility. You may wonder why, I will give you some insights later on of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, the career that drove me in the way I was uh, really building a little bit my, my road was really classical. I would say uh, in the 90s and 1000 years, usually when you are 20 years old, yeah, you got a good degree, uh, you're really focused on meritocracy uh, type of approach, uh, and uh, but you have no experience when you are in the twenties, uh, twenty years old. So you start your 
discover yourself with your expertise. And then around 30, you start to be really a specialized uh, expert or uh, in some specific area. And this is where the organization you are involving uh, in, uh, in helps you to develop the personal plan. You start to move to different areas, cross-functional. You are expand your expertise. Then in the 40s, when you're 40 years old, you are <laughs> <laughs> on the value you are delivering and the impact that you are having. Uh, but what's overall drives you later on is really ensure that what you're doing is something that you like. Yes. So you're getting experience and, and uh, maturity. Let's say the ideal job is to do something that you really love because that mm -hmm. really you. <laughs> and it's the hard part. <laughs> Making sure it matches. And uh, so that's a classical way. Now, I'll say the organization first have a lot of involved especially in the manufacturing area, as you mentioned, industry 4.0 uh, earlier. The way employees or talents are also developing themselves is uh, in a different pace. I would say people early in the career, invites them early in the career is to make an impact in yes. detail, okay? And um, a lot of those are, or, for us are really impatient in that. We, what drives us, but uh, gets us, gets us out, uh, gets us out of the bed every morning is really the impact that we are having in our professional life and personal life. So this balance between personal, what you really like and love, and professional, the impact that you're having is really, uh, I would say, the most uh, secret source. I would yeah. say to to make your career exciting. Make, makes a lot of sense. And I think that, that secret source of getting that blend between professional satisfaction and kind of personal fulfillment is the, is the golden ticket, isn't it? And I guess for someone like yourself, who's worn many hats, played many different positions, um, you know, how do you give advice for somebody looking to, to build their career? You know, industry 4.0, manufacturing IT, digital manufacturing, these are all kind of areas now that are becoming more and more into the mainstream. What advice, Michelle, would you give someone looking to maybe start their career and looking to get into this area? That's a, a very large question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first advice is really, uh, I would say, define your purpose. Define uh, purpose. Define your purpose. And that's where, when effectively you're joining, uh, say, up to now, most of the time, People are applying for jobs <clears throat> in a classical organization. And so you get a job description, an offer, and the job description are being are becoming more and more wider, including everything potentially you may have to do. And, uh, and then you have a goal. But that doesn't give you the personal purpose. And so ensure the candidate to have real investigation in what's to purpose of the organization you are joining uh, to ensure that this is well aligned, okay? Yeah. If that's not aligned, it's a recipe for failure. But on the other side for manufacturing uh, or industrial company as well is what's their purpose? And organizations are struggling sometimes to define 
what purpose, what impact, what's their ultimate vision and goal. Uh, it's on purpose, it's tightly linked to your core values. Mm. So that's the, the tricky point when you are applying for a job. Also, uh, as organizations are still building hierarchies and they fulfill jobs uh, by position, most of the people, and I did it uh, in my introduction, when they describe themselves, say, okay, I do this job. That's the position I'm doing in an organization. But when you're looking how organizations are working today, and especially due to the digitalization, who is the tool to drive this, they are seldom working in a classical way of organization. I see organization in manufacturing working more and more project-based. Mm. And it's really common that, yeah, you may be part of an old chart in an organization, but at the end, you're blurred and you're working with so many other groups that, yeah, your boss or your manager might not be the one that really measures your success. Okay? Yeah. And that's a, that's a different way of, um, uh, of um, uh, managing the yeah. organization. And that's usually not described in the job description. <laughs> Agreed. What I, what I give is really ensure you recognize yourself in the values uh, of, the, of the company you are joining or the position that you are, uh, that you are having. So what digital effectively uh, changed in the organization, plus I would say the recent different walls or crises that we, that we faced, uh, there's definitely a much more agile way of working, a different way of working. If you're, if you're looking in industrial manufacturing, probably, or in IT groups, you have still today one third of the people that are working for remotely. Another third are hybrid working in the office or in the plant and remotely. And the other third being back to work in the plant or having some two jobs. So that changes a lot of social interactions, the working yes. that you have with people. And this is why I go back to the purpose of digital purpose. You get very quickly disconnected yes. and lost in this digital transformation. And the transformation is still not done. It's changing by itself. We're talking mm. about 3.4.0. Yeah, I'll tell you a secret. It's done, it's over. <laughs> oh, it's uh, industry five, industry six point zero. We're talking about metaverse. Okay? Yeah, and metaverse is definitely something that uh, yeah, I have a provocative question to you, Daniel. Do ah. you think the metaverse is uh, will impact B two B and especially in selling as an here as a seller? <laughs> Okay. That's, that's so, an interesting one. An interesting one. Uh, that's definitely, yeah, finding ah. you in my environment. <laughs> you see me in my avatar. And that's just a little bit disruptive. And uh, what I just want to say is that this is all about digitalization. Okay. Yes. How people effectively interact between each other as changing fast. So with just my little question here, 
people may wonder what is Michel willing to tell us with Mirabeus. The same thing I'm, I'm trying to tease you is what was the case 10 years ago when we were starting all our video calls. Okay, we were interacting socially in presence or through phones. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, people were not willing to use videos. Yeah. First, today, mm -hmm. there's no real definition in any dictionary about what the metaverse is. Yeah, that it's already happening. In manufacturing, it's happening through Industry 4.0, where you have all those bricks yeah. of the IT and OT conversions. So that means uh, IoT devices, a layer of what is called digital twin, uh, a layer of analytics, a layer of augmented reality, virtual reality, etc., and aggregation of all business systems, such as an MES, manufacturing execution system, or yeah. supply chain or ERP system. That's a kind of metaverse. It's the brick, it's the basement. Yeah. How we interact in the metaverse is definitely changing. It's changing in the way you see that it's selling already and due to COVID, most of the fairs and events were done through <laughs> This type of virtual platform that I just showed you a little inside in, uh, earlier. Yeah. Uh, I see this having accelerating use cases and how we train people, how we effectively ensure appropriate interaction in this hybrid world, physical and, uh, and digital, uh, between workers, between teams. Uh, there's a lot of um, applications uh, in the metaverse that are still at their early stages and will evolve. And I'm quite sure in the next weeks or months, Daniel, next time instead of doing this call through Zoom, I will invite you in the metaverse and we will and we'll let our avatars interacting between each other and have a nice chat. Around the coffee and a beer. I mean, I mean, it, for me, for me, it's not an area that I've I've super explored. Obviously, I'm aware of the metaverse and aware of some of the capabilities, but it, it really kind of goes back to. I remember when I was a child playing the game The Sims, and um, the, the Sims was was essentially a primitive version of the metaverse. But but I guess that the the use cases now, I guess, and that's what you was asking is about how will it change B two B selling, but um. I, I kind of curious to see what you think about that. You know, you're, <laughs> I, I I always learn from listening to you, so I'm curious to see what your thoughts are. On that. Yeah, six months ago, I was just ignoring this. When I was saying, okay, that's a that's a gamer stuff. Okay, I mean, that was really useful to me. And then getting interested into this and trying to see what benefits, what use cases it can help me out in social interactions. Uh, I saw in the past six months, three months, few weeks, fabulous innovation. In okay. Place. Fabulous innovation that uh, triggers the mind of everybody on how can that have a different impact and make my work easier and more efficient and that's what i see currently 
accelerating. You mentioned social selling at the, in your introduction, which is something that we launched together when was that about well, three, four years ago? Yeah. Maybe, maybe even more. Okay. Uh, well, that's really also gained a certain level of maturity. Nevertheless, when you go on core, 80% of the people are just thinking social selling is having a LinkedIn account. Okay. <laughs> Uh, what really social selling is about is sharing insights is a world of givers of people sharing their own experience yeah uh, by sharing material content so the content is what we effectively uh, will drive success and the speed of adoption of metaverse there's no relevant content you will walk away I can send you a lens or quest uh, glasses. Yeah. It's not for that that you will use the metaverse. Uh, you will use it if effectively you can have access to multiple content and right insight in a relationship, in a one on one conversation, or in a group conversation, in a workshop, in a training, in a fair, and uh, social interaction around the coffee machine. Uh, that makes your life easier. So, technology is still a little bit uh, not that frictionless, <laughs> but it's going very fast. <laughs> no, that, that, that makes it. Uh, so, so, what I'm hearing from them is, is, is the metaverse could in B2B selling, especially, could be a position for you to interact with the customer where you can add value, give them insight, give them freedom to explore the solutions, freedom to explore the criteria of use cases or adoption or any of those areas to really kind of give that person an ingrained feeling of already having the solution before just sending them PDF documents or a file or whatever. You really get them to feel the fabric of what it is you're selling, what value is attached to that. Exactly. That's it interesting. Allows, it allows you also to interact with people. Yes. Totally in the metaverse. Yeah. And you're a remote worker. You want to see if Daniel is in his office. You can scroll into the metaverse to see him working in his office and you can have a chat with him directly. See, I'm finding um, that. I can do that already with WhatsApp and with Teams and with Zoom yeah. and with other messaging. But when you are doing this, you may interrupt him as well. So uh, we are at that tipping point where. For the moment, it's the tool yeah. <laughs> that has to gain some maturity. But we are all challenged as workers and as employees or as freelancers, uh, freelance people. So I'd say take the maximum out of it and think of what we want. It's the users that will drive the metaverse inside a value. It's not the platform providers. No, I think that I think that's really interesting. And again, I feel more intelligent after speaking with you already, Michelle. So I appreciate that. <laughs> but curious to see then. So obviously your experience is is from the engineering side as well. And, and obviously you spent a lot of time sitting in customer meetings. Is there industry specifics that you feel that that might be more mature into adopting the metaverse and engaging with the providers? in the metaverse versus the industries that you feel may be a little bit you know, slow to adopt and change? Yeah, I think uh, there definitely are some uh, 
and differences between industries. But I think it's more a question of organization, company itself, than the industry. I see the IT, for instance, uh, it's all about, it's all driven by infrastructure from IT. Is your organization mature enough to allow those remote and hybrid work environments? Okay. So there are industries or departments that, yeah, it's not that easy. Okay. Of a department, will see immediate value. Give you an example HR. HR department will see a lot of value very quickly and adopt it much quicker to ensure they can drive on people engagement and yes. continue to provide purpose. Uh, as long as the IT department has invested a lot in the safety and security infrastructure, which is what is the one of the top trend currently this year of uh, any IT or CIO uh, yeah. is really to ensure uh, the infrastructure is safe and reliable and, uh, and uh, allows those uh, interactions. Also, in some companies, you have departments that are uh, hybrid in the type of uh, workers. I see specifically when I'm talking to CIOs or to IT uh, uh, managers that in the past, 99% of their employees were employees from their company. Nowadays, it's probably only 70%, sometimes even less. Wow. And the other 30% are not just interim people, but more and more uh, freelancers, experts that jump in on a mission or project based as organization are more driving their um, uh, their operations in missions and, and projects than just a job function. Yes. Uh, I see a trend where some groups in organizations, specifically IT or HR, are using more and more freelance. And I can tell I also, also had that experience in my teams in the past, where you had employees fully engaged, they love the company, they are really engaged, they have purpose, they are having an impact. And they say, well, oh, I would like to continue to work with Rockwell, but I don't want to be an employee. Mm. I want to continue to develop my expertise in a, in a freedom environment. So I continue to work for you, Michelle, but as a freelancer. <laughs> And uh, I've looked recently deeply in some trends and some statistics of, uh, of the EIT, uh, which is the working uh, IT um, uh, department statistic, uh, taking statistics on all employment. And the number of uh, freelance employees on the bracket is increasing in all departments all across industries. Major reason is that people still are looking for values. Yeah. You can have the fabulous job, your dream job, like what you are doing. But it's not totally in line with your value. And some of the values are currently about sustainability, social responsibility, 
diversity, inclusion, inclusion, etc. Organizations, especially in manufacturing, are not that uh, mature yet to really align their purpose and vision and values to what effectively the job and the yeah. uh, experience. Okay, let's give you an example. Yeah, we are the most sustainable organization in the world. Yes, we are, will be carbon free in three years and blah, blah, blah. Nevertheless, in your job, you have a company car and the company car policy allows only <laughs> diesel car. No <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I sense where you were going with that one. No, but I think that's a fair point, isn't it? It's, it's that maybe disjointed or fragmented thinking between what the mouth is saying and what the heart is doing in the business. Exactly, exactly. It's a, uh, it's the heart, it's the brain, and it's the briefcase. <laughs> yeah. do, do you think there's a, a cultural shift within manufacturing where, you know, some companies are expediating this change and that joining up that thinking more versus um, certain companies that are, are lagging behind on that front? Yeah, definitely. I'd say, and that change is driven, I would say, unfortunately, a little bit, I see that a little bit in a reactive mode. Okay. Mm. It's uh, uh, very hard. Uh, let's say the market, the hiring market, and you know this more than anyone else. <laughs> it's really hard to uh, attract the right talent and to keep them. Okay. And that pushes the organization effectively to change a little bit the culture. Uh, not just the culture, but again, the way they operate. It's all in the hand of the management and the middle management. Let's say the manager that could be very performing, but is a control freak, will uh, definitely not be able to put some change. Yes. You know, and large organization, you still have those brains, some of the brains that are locked, some of the brains that are in the growth mode. Uh, how does There's a additional linear crisis, uh, especially currently in supply chain, that the companies and always to control everything and have everything in the supply chain in their control. Uh, now it's more how you drive, how you manage an ecosystem. And that's hard. Managing an ecosystem is absolutely key in selling, <laughs> in producing, and in delivering. Okay? Mm. Uh, that means you need to be ready to give away sometimes things that you think are part of the core and they brought your organization in other type of skill set. In manufacturing especially, I would say, uh, we're used to employ workers or machines that were operator to produce whatever that is, strategic line or whatever. And uh, today, even if you have that job fulfilled, the operator after one year or two years knows the machine perfect uh, at length and wants to develop himself. Because he's still in his purpose search, okay? Uh, so there's a lot of um, efforts to retain and to develop uh, the workers at any level. Yes. Uh, that purpose is important, but 
Additionally, the way effectively you develop the people is really important. So I hear on the market, um, my competitors or even ourselves many times guiding customers on talking about uh, assisted worker. Yeah, I'm going to make your worker happy because we're all industry 4.0. They will be <laughs> They will have all the information at their fingertips and they will have more time and they can think about themselves and how to improve the processes. But honestly, Daniel, do you want to be an assisted employee? <laughs> I would love to be an augmented one to do other yeah. things. <laughs> so uh, what I'm just touching here is the words are, are important on how you drive. Nobody wants to be assisted. Companies are driving digital one reason they want to make more profit okay more efficient mm. uh, more and more payback is also on how you get your employee engaged how you give them purpose how you develop that side and maybe that touches upon the metaverse again michelle in terms of employee engagement with retaining training developing giving fulfillment and societal benefit to that employee and, and engaging them more so maybe that's another use case for for the metaverse as well Absolutely. That's why I said HR probably yeah. HR and our business partners and the, <laughs> of the different businesses in the organization. Uh, I see them more and more excited about uh, some use cases and owning other ways to interact uh, with people in an authentic manner. Yes. We have authenticity and and uh, not by corporate uh, BS, sorry. Guidelines. The guidelines, okay. I mean, uh, one, one question, Michelle, I was interested to, to find out from you. So you've moved into the strategic role, but, but I've always known you to be in kind of strategic leadership position. So in terms of your conversation with CIOs or, you know, C-level executives, what have you noticed in their um, makeup or changing over the years uh, towards digital and manufacturing and digital transformation? Have you noticed a, a consistent trend amongst them with the questions they ask or what they're looking for? Or uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the IT roles or IT leaders roles, I would say, are stretched to all. Uh, really become business partners mm. of other groups in the organization. That changes a lot. Uh, their personal development for each, okay? Uh, not just to be an expert in, uh, in technology, but really be stretched uh, and uh, their interaction, their understanding of the business, their understanding of others' uh, drivers, and being able to uh, translate some technology uh, evolution, innovations, and challenges into business value for plant, manufacturing, and engineer, etc. <clears throat> and that's very good. That's very exciting. I, I think for most of them, uh, they also are stretched in uh, other type of directions, such as uh, when it comes to how, when I mentioned sustainability earlier, okay? So, what drives the CIO in sustainability? Some are more and more interested in green IT. Mm -hmm. And when I look on the people that are talking to me about green IT, 
Yeah, you have two types of people. You have the ones that really believes that yeah, it's global warming. I need personally to do something and help to drive <laughs> that in my organization. And you have the ones that are more reactive, but definitely the ones that are more reactive, it comes from the top, it comes from the CEO. Yeah, right in that direction. Uh, and it's to drive green IT as an example, uh, I think, and see what impact and how you can participate around the organization on the business goals of your, uh, of your company. Uh, it needs a different type of mentality and skill set. Again, being a business partner, being innovative, being a uh, uh, a leader that takes mitigated risks yeah. <laughs> uh, is where the, where the IT are uh, IT people, uh, managers or workers are, are really stretched. So uh, for me, it's one of the most exciting, I would say, and changing group in organization because they are challenged in changing their culture, the way they operate, and the technology challenge. So uh, that's um, uh, that we pilot for manufacturing organizations to, uh, uh, to effectively save scale. Say 10 years ago or even five years ago, you saw in manufacturing most of the IoT or industry 4.0 driven by OG. Yes. Okay. Machine builders playing a key role as well, uh, but really driven by the engineering and Automation and in uh, and in the OT operation technology group. Uh, shift in conversions between IT and OT. Uh, IT becoming more a business partner, understanding better, I would say, the constraints on the pain points and the challenges and the opportunity of manufacturing. So it really takes a more and more uh, bigger role. It was first just a stakeholder, now becomes a key actor. So the skill set of, uh, of uh, an IT or a CIO uh, is uh, absolutely uh, the key in that uh, uh, in the digital transformation. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I think that that is fair, and it's always interesting to hear your perspective on that. So I, I put a poll out recently on on LinkedIn just to kind of take the temperature of the room, and it was about you know, when driving digital transformation, and this is about any digital, um, you know, what, what is the biggest challenge? And it was pretty even between stakeholder resistance and then skill, skill, skill gap and talent shortage. And, you know, it's remarkable that, that those were the two main challenges that, uh, that people faced. Um, where, where do you stand on those two areas? Is, is there a certain trend that you see specifically or is there something else that you're seeing? Yeah, I... In that area, I, uh, how can I say this? Uh, again, it goes back to the way you operate your organization. Being more and more mission initiative, project-based organization drives the way of the only business processes. Mm. And, uh, Usually, business processes will be defined by silo. This becoming more and more blurred uh, provides not only 
opportunities for any workers in any silo to expand his knowledge and experience in the other areas, but uh, definitely stretches the social uh, interaction between people. And so that in interviews, I would say, we're focusing in the past in just your IQ. Now we say, oh, we invented EQ, emotional intelligence, so much more easy <laughs> for us to give us, uh, give us the chance to be successful, but definitely emotional intelligence is definitely what we're doing, uh, driving success is the capacity to aggregate the right talents yes. in place. And this is the right talents in the right place is constantly evolving, constantly evolving. We need to revisit that very often. No, it, it's it's been an interesting discussion, Michelle. And conscious of the time, it, it's uh, the episode has flown by, and I know you're a busy person, so wanted to say thanks so much for for joining me on the episode. I, as I mentioned, I always learn lots when uh, when we talk, and hopefully we can share some of this wisdom with the network. So um, thank you so much for your time and joining me. Well, more than welcome, more than welcome, Daniel. And uh, as a conclusion, I would just say, hey, I. Uh, Keep pushing. I want to thank you again with all the efforts and all the follow-up you are you are done with all the talents we hired together. Uh yeah. those are still in our organization, I'm still <laughs> a high performer, and you definitely were instrumental in uh, coaching them, mentoring them as well in the onboarding uh class of that. So uh, I really appreciate your uh, insights and help and support into this. And Definitely an uh, industry 4.0 good as well. So. Yeah, slowly but surely. <laughs> was a real pleasure, Daniel. <laughs> I, uh, I let my avatar say goodbye to you. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. <laughs> thanks so much. You're welcome.